Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, October 6, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, I don't know if I've talked about him here on this podcast, but over the last couple okay. days I've had a few uh, special episodes drop in the feeds. The first came on Monday in which I spoke to the great Eden Espinosa about yeah. her concerts coming up at Chelsea Table and Stage on Thursday and Friday. Not only can you see them in person at Chelsea Table and Stage, but there's also streaming options. So listen to that interview. She tells me all about putting the show together. Also gives me some insight into how she's getting ready to eventually return to Lempica. Uh, And then the next day, I spoke with good friend Oliver Henry Roth, who Mm -hmm. is one of the producers of Lempica. So I got a little bit more Lempica information out of him. I was going to say, it's Lempica City up here this week. It is. It is, but the real reason I spoke with Oliver is he is producing a show off-Broadway that is currently running, starring the great Austin Pendleton, called This Beautiful Future. It is a show that as I I went in, and and this is by design from Oliver in the show, not knowing a ton about, I knew that there were like two couples. One of the couples was present day. One of the couples was like teenagers during World War II. Mm -hmm. And I knew that there was karaoke uh, involved. And um, that's all I knew. And... As I was talking with Oliver, like you could tell that he obviously loves the show, but also kind of realizes that it's a difficult show and it's not a show for everybody. Okay. But he talked about how it moved him and why it is something that continues to to replay in his head, despite having worked on it now for over a year and having seen it obviously dozens and dozens of times. Um, so I think if this is a show where you're open to kind of being challenged and uh, being open to maybe confronting some things about yourself that Enter. you might oh, not want to. We certainly don't have the time this week, yeah. but some other yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe yeah, later. Maybe. But, uh, but listen to that interview and maybe check it out uh, at Cherry Lane Theater before the end of the month. I think Hell it closes yeah. on the 30th. So. Nice. Of course, you can hear those interviews before anybody else over at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. All right, let's get into the news. And this was one of those things that I am still getting used to. Baz Boy dropping news on Tuesday yeah. evenings via instead deadline. of Thursdays via deadline instead of the Daily Mail. Uh, still very strange. But the the great British theater reporter reports that Michael Ball, uh, the original Marius and Les Miserables and the original star mm-hmm. of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Aspects of Love, will be returning to Aspects of Love to sing the song that he made famous, Love Changes Everything. He did that show and sang that song both in London and in New York. And that became one of the staples, not only of the post Tim Rice catalog of Andrew Lloyd Webber songs, but also of Michael Ball's career. However, yes, he is, he is far too old to play that same role uh, sure. of Alex that he played in the original production. So they're going to rework the show so that he can play it or he can sing it now playing the part of George, Alex's uncle. The show uh, features music and book by Andrew Lloyd Webber and is based on the novella of the same name by David Garnett and it features lyrics by Don Black and Charles Hart. So the creators along with Michael Ball and director Jonathan Kent who previously worked with Ball and Amelda Staunton on that Sweeney Todd revival we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, They're going to do a workshop before the end of the year to try to rework the show so that one, Ball can sing Love changes everything, but also because a lot of the writers feel like there was a sentimentality that worked for this show when they wrote it. And then when it originally made its West End premiere in 1989 and then on Broadway in 1990, that doesn't really work anymore in today's sensibilities. So Mm. they 
they've essentially said, quote, you won't recognize it. It's going to be a completely reimagined show. I hope so. so. <laughs> we're going to keep your ALW <laughs> hate out of this conversation. It's not even ALW hate. It's an awful show. I mean, I, he, you know. he wrote he wrote the music and book. So that's two thirds of the way. Towards, uh, yeah. Yeah. Towards that. Um, of course, the original one was directed by Trevor Nunn, who worked with Michael Ball on the original production of Les Miserables. And it focuses on the romantic entanglements of an actress, Rose Vi- Vibert, um, her admiring young fan, Alex Dillingham, originally played by Ball, his underage cousin, Jenny, his uncle, George, who he is now going to play, George's mistress, a sculptor, and other characters over a 17-year period. Um Okay. I, I, I mean, love changes everything as we've talked about. Like, I think that's a, a really good ALW, especially post Tim Rice song. Um, we'll be interesting to see how they rework the show so that he can sing it. I think Michael Ball is, um, one of those guys who, uh, has had a really interesting career and to see him return to this show in a much different capacity should be fun. Uh, I don't know yeah. if this is one that I would imagine would eventually make its way across the pond, but. I mean, ALW gets to open Bad Cinderella on Broadway, so maybe he can make this happen, too. As we talked about yesterday, I can't remember if on the show or after the show, we don't need to put on every single thing that Andrew Lloyd Webber (laughs) wants to put on on Broadway. I absolutely hate the show, but I don't have anything negative to say about Michael Ball. So I guess if he wants to do this, good for him. And if they're going to rework it, I hope they completely rework it other than just letting him sing what is now his signature song at this point in a different role. Yeah. And maybe a different key. And maybe uh, okay, a different so key. Moving Absolutely. On. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So moving on, we are starting to get reviews for the upcoming movie musical adaptation of Matilda the Musical. It had yes. its world premiere at the London Film Festival on Wednesday. It will make its theatrical debut in the UK on November 25th, then in the United States on December 9th, and will then hit Netflix worldwide on Christmas Day. Of course, this is based on the original Roald Dahl novel, but then, of course, the stage musical by former Broadway Radio guest Tim Minchin yeah. and Dennis Kelly. It is directed on screen as it was on stage by Matthew Warchus. And it stars Alicia Weir as Matilda, Lashana Lynch as Miss Honey, Emma Thompson as Miss Trunchbull, which is obviously a departure from the original stage adaptation mm-hmm. in which Miss Trunchbull was played by a man. And I believe was Rafe Fines originally set was to play. To, yeah. Uh, I feel like. Yep. Yeah. Rafe. Yeah. Rafe Fines was originally supposed to play Miss Trunchbull. And then. Because of things, they decided that was not necessarily mm-hmm. the best way to do that. Andrea Riceborough and Stephen Graham are playing Mrs. and Mr. Wormwood, respectively. Sintu V is playing Mrs. Phelps and uh, a bunch of other folks that we can talk about later. But the reviews are in. I'm just going to go through a couple of the biggies here. And they were all pretty positive, um, especially for folks who had some sort of affection for the film or for the stage version of the film. Guy Lodge writing for Variety said, quote, Warchus's film mostly thrives on what already worked on stage. The speedy lyrical wordplay and energetically shouty delivery of mentioned songs, the deliberately heavy-footed stompiness of Peter Darling's choreography, and the booming pantomime presence of its villain, and let's be honest, star attraction. Relishing a role conventionally played in drag on stage, hawking into each of her scenes with enhanced arms akimbo, Thompson is entirely a scream. 
Uh, Stephanie Bunbury for Deadline said, quote, from the moment it it begins with a series of glowingly lit babies in cribs singing the quotes are Stephanie's um, about how their besotted parents think they're all geniuses. It is clear that Warchus and the team have not merely adapted the theater musical, but rethought it top to bottom. Clever staging gives way to visual extravagance, which is one of the things when I think about the stage musical of Matilda, what I love about it is that clever staging, whether it's the swings, the alphabet Uh tiles, um, the desks, like it's so brilliant. Um, And obviously that's tough to recreate on screen, but it sounds like they found a way to kind of take that vibe and energy and do it differently yeah and both, um, let's finish up i was gonna say in both of the direction but also i'm so glad that they kept peter darling on as choreographer who obviously mm-hmm. did so all important. versions of it yeah yeah um let's finish up with leslie felperin from the hollywood reporter who again returned to the biggest star in the piece emma thompson offers up a master class in threading the needle while still under a ton of uglyifying latex bringing back happy mem- memories of her name Annie McPhee franchise, um, <laughs> having a great year with this, uh, as well as her turn in good, uh, good luck to you, Leo Grant. Thompson even manages to inject a tiny sliver of humanity into the film's chief villain, especially <sighs> with her dulcet rendition of Hammer. Um, I don't know that I would trust very many people to do that, but I trust Emma Thompson to do that. With I just that don't need that though. It's one of those, no, villi- it's one but- of those villain roles. We have a habit of the redemption tour for villains in the past. I really decade, especially in Disney, as far, like, as far as Disney goes. But I mean, there's always, villain origin stories obviously that's not what this is by any means but i don't need any kind of sympathy or empathy for a trench fall i just want i just want to see a really mean child hating villain on the screen and say oh my god is that a screen or is that a mirror exactly that's what i'm saying (laughs) down to the outfit yeah there you go um, I'm ecstatic to see this. This will be one that I will probably actually, despite the fact that it's coming to Netflix yeah. on Christmas Day, this is one I'll probably go see in movie theaters just because. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, all right, real quick, let's talk about last week's Broadway grosses. Uh, in total, during the previous frame, the main stem saw an increase of shows from 24 to 25, but a 4% decline in grosses, dropping about $1.16 million to come in at $25,208,583. A number of onlookers believe that this could be due in part to the Rosh Hashanah holiday that took place last week, mm-hmm. um, which I think probably makes some sense. Uh, attendance also fell 2% percent down to 209,668 tickets sold. Seven shows actually saw six-figure declines in their weekly receipts, with only six shows in total actually seeing gains, but four of those were in previews and finally increased the number of performances to eight for mm-hmm. the first time. So it was actually only two shows that saw legit uh, week-to-week increases. But those two that did actually both jumped over $100,000. The first, Phantom of the Opera, still riding the wave of its closing notice, improved by $125,660. While Come From Away exited on Broadway, or exited Broadway on a high note, jumping nearly $103,000 to gross over $1 million for the first time since the week that included New Year's Day 20. 20. So pre-pandemic, I'm very ecstatic for everybody at the show and felt that they were able to go out on a high note. A little still annoyed that they had to go out at all, but that's not (laughs) a deal there. 
Unsurprisingly, The Music Man was the top of the charts, grossing $2,734,858, followed by Hamilton at $1.91 million, MJ at $1.73 million, Funny Girl at $1.67, and The Lion King at $1.57. The rest of the Millionaire's Club in descending order were the aforementioned Phantom, Wicked, Moulin Rouge, Cursed Child, That Final Week of Come From Away, Six, and Into the Woods. In its first full week of performances, Cost of Living grossed just under $140,000. We know that previews usually aren't great in subscription houses, but that was especially bad. Um, next to the bottom was the first week of Top Dog Underdog at $228,761, then The Kite Runner at $327,000 one dollars uh then 1776 at 349k see previous subscription house comment um and then death of a salesman at 438,298 bucks in the week that included its press previews and opening night leopold stadt did a pretty impressive 759,000 dollars another play that was in previews uh, and is still in previews that did pretty well was the piano lesson which came in at 704,051 mm-hmm. bucks um, the only shows that played over 100% capacity were the final week of Come From Away, which actually had the highest capacity on Broadway at 101.86%. And then MJ the Musical was at 100.05% capacity. Uh, Funny Girl was just under at 99.39% capacity there. Unsurprising. Yes, unsurprising. I look when they announced Leah Michelle, like I had my doubts as to whether she would drive ticket prices much more than Beanie Feldstein were would or oh. did. Uh I was I was wrong. Yeah, and we'll see no. what happens. Like, you know, I think sales were pretty pretty decent in the first few weeks of Funny Girl. We'll see if she's able to maintain this Leah meaning, but uh it's exceeded my expectations. And granted, she's only done I think three weeks because she had that one week mm-hmm. where she was out for COVID, but Still pretty impressive. It's also really good timing for them, considering now we're getting into the holiday season where people are going to come to see that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. um, Just a few other quick things before I get into my thoughts on the national tour of six. Uh, Yesterday, the Museum of Broadway announced that when it opens beginning on November 15th, its very first exhibit will be a collection of artwork done by the great Al Hirschfeld called The American Theater as Seen by Hirschfeld. It will take visitors through nine decades of Hirschfeld's iconic images of theater in the country through 25 drawings and prints from 1928 to 2002. Um, Some of these original... (laughs) I know that's incredible, isn't it? Um, Some of these characters and pieces of artwork feature the original productions of Fiddler on the Roof, Phantom of the Opera, King and I, Sunday in the Park with George, the aforementioned Funny Girl, Ragtime, Beauty and the Beast, Hairspray, and more. Um, Like I, I I don't, I didn't really know what we were going to get. Yeah, I didn't know what we were going to get from this museum of Broadway. Would it be kind of like a touristy trap museum, or would it be like? like museum museum i wasn't sure and to be honest with i'm still not sure but this makes me feel like it's hewing more towards like museum museum which is which is incredibly exciting so exciting and where you're not like you're going to be able to see things there that don't exist at other places which is what i was worried about was going to be the you know essentially the gift shop of museums here uh doesn't seem to be the case i know there's press previews coming up and hopefully i'll be able to get to Mm. one of them i'm on the list for 
uh, and get to check it out. I love this. I'm a big, big Hirschhold fan. I have a first edition book up to like the 60s. So I'm sure there's going to be like a du- a lot of duplicates in the museum from there that still. can't wait to see in person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So this com- this piece of news comes from page six, but uh, it comes out of the A is 4 benefit concert that happened at 54 Below over the weekend. A is 4 is an organization that supports uh, abortion rights. I believe that Martha mm-hmm. Plimpton is the founder. Um, had a bunch I of stars... So. Um, that performed there, including Leah Delaria and and uh, Kelly O'Hara and Jessica Voskano were there. This story is uh, about Patty Lapone, who was yeah. there as well and performed. She, she, uh, 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 yeah, well aware. <laughs> I, ha- she I have is- to say it now because my friend Weston, who listens to this podcast, who's been my friend literally since high school, uh, says it tickles him every time I say heard of it. Whenever uh, yeah. it's something I'm very obsessed clearly with. obsessed with, <laughs> so yes, yeah. I think that I makes sense. <laughs> um, so at the uh, event, and I, I, I'm not sure if it's still going on or not. Um, not only did Patty Lapone sing Linda Rodstadt's "You're No Good," but she also yeah. offered up a voice lesson for the auction. Um, and if you Amazing. were the highest bidder, you got a voice lesson for her. Of course, all of the proceeds go to A is for an abortion right. Some other things that were auctioned off included voice lessons with Kelly O'Hara, um, and in pro- an in home performance by Leah Delaria and her band, which is <laughs> nothing I can amazing. say will make it into this podcast. Excellent. No, I know. Yes, let's keep it. <laughs> PG-13, at least. <laughs> After dark. Yes. Um, in total, the event raised over $100,000. So that's amazing. I Wonderful. love that. Absolutely. Uh, I wish I had more money to uh, Full get stop. a private voice. Yes. Yeah. To get a voice lesson from Patty Lippon. <laughs> oh, my God. The dream. If yeah. you want to yell and swoop and be yelled at yes, and, by and the ghost of Sondheim, you're, you're golden here. Yeah. And, and to... Just not to tell you any content out there. Just like exactly. this. Exactly. Anything goes. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Goddess. Uh, Die for her. <laughs> all right. So I uh, want to wrap up. As I mentioned the other day, I went and saw the first national tour. Actually, it is the uh, Aragon tour for Catherine of Aragon. She's yeah. the first of six wives. Um, the national tour of six that had its first performance at the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts here in Orlando on Tuesday night. I... Went in having, of course, seen the show on Broadway twice, being a big fan, as I mentioned uh, on yesterday's show. Um, the Jane Seymour in the tour is Jasmine Forsberg, who I saw uh, as a high schooler do a production of Carrie the Musical. So I went in kind of like excited to see her again. And I will say mm-hmm. she was, in my opinion, the best of all of them, although I feel like okay. a lot of people think like, Okay, yeah, a lot of people are, are partial to Jane Seymour, but really everybody was fantastic. This show works even without that original Broadway cast. And I think that just the energy and the vibes and the humor and kind of like you talked about with Matilda, like the choreography is an unsung hero in this show. Mm-hmm. It's so clever and it's so smart, but really everybody from top to bottom was fantastic. Uh, Catherine of Aragon, um, was, uh, Kalia Wilcoxon. Uh, Anne Boleyn mm-hmm. is the great, uh, storm lever from Summer, Cole and the Donna Summer musical. Jasmine Forsberg is Jane Seymour. Olivia Donaldson as Anna of Cleves. Uh, Gabriella Carrillo as 
Catherine Parr. And then we had a standby understudy alternate. I don't know how they uh, define these things uh, on for Catherine Howard. Normally, Catherine Howard is played by Dee Dee Romero, but Cassie Silva was on for her. And Cassie Silva is somebody who's been around the industry for a long time, was in Rock of Ages on Broadway. I remember her dating back to... Legally Blonde, the musical The Search for the Next Dell Woods, in which she was eliminated third the same week. She was eliminated in the same episode as one Selena Carvajal, who, of course, eventually went on to use her rock and roll stage name of Lena Hall. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they, they exited the show together. The next week... The person eliminated was Jerry Zax's daughter, Emma Zax. Uh, well. and then, then the following week is Natalie Lander, who's getting ready to come in and do her one-person show at 54 Below. Then Lauren Zacharin, who is Lauren Zacharin, and so on yeah. and so forth. Um, but it's just so good. Like the, I, I, I sat next – because I had press tickets for Tuesday night. I sat next to um, a woman and a friend of hers who were there on some sort of like – influencer invite so she had you know she was in the press row Mm. as an influencer and i don't know who she is or like what her claim is to influence but she was absolutely living she knew everything about this show and the audience was ecstatic and you i wasn't sure how you know a mostly white older audience at the dr phillips center would take to the show because it is Mm -hmm. you know it's not necessarily a show that is normally geared towards them but they it was just like i was in the broadway theater just you know two to three four five times as many people um sure it was crazy nuts they were cheering in all the right spots they were hooting hollering which is i think what you want with six uh it was fantastic so i will be going back on sunday very excited for that. Um, <laughs> right. At the Yay. same – well, I have the subscription tickets on no, Sunday, the press tickets on it. Tuesday. Um, <laughs> the Aragon tour will then go to Fort Lauderdale uh, next week, then to Miami. The second tour, the Berlin tour, is actually having its um, – I believe um, – no, it, it, it just had its opening at the Smith Center last week. It is currently uh, at the ASU Gamage Theater in Tempe, Arizona. And we'll then uh, head to Tucson, Tucson uh, later this month. So Excellent. check it out. Very good. I loved it. I will be back. There may or I over may over and over again. I might have accidentally left my voice memo on during the show. I oh, hate when I do that. Accidentally, I hate when I do that. I just yeah, I was pushing it's a buttons, slip of the finger, yeah, trying to turn off one of those my pocket phone. memos. Yes, those exactly. Common pocket memos. It happens. I, 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 I'm sorry. You can Weird. prosecute me if you want. Yeah. Kate Schendel. Jail. Electric chair. Speaking of the original Broadway cast of Legally Blonde, Kate Schendel exactly. can throw the book yeah. at me. Throw it on back. Always yeah. connected to Legally Blonde. Always. All right, everybody. That's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can follow me on Twitter and. Instagram at BWW. Matt, Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Thursday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. 